to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I hope you are having a good week. Getting settled into December. I cannot believe it's December. It's crazy. All of the holiday shopping is happening. Black Friday, Cyber Monday was epic. And now I'm sure you're still scrambling to get some more gifts for people because that's just how December goes. I feel like December is basically holiday shopping, drinking hot cocoa, and watching 25 Days of Christmas on repeat. If you are not sure what to get the people in your life, definitely check out the holiday gift guides on my website. And one gift that I think is absolutely amazing to get your loved ones this year is one of the Ned holiday sets. One of the most common questions I get asked is if I use CBD and if I do, what brand do I use? And I always recommend Ned's full spectrum hemp oil. You got to be really careful with CBD products out there on the market because a lot of them don't even contain the amount of CBD that they claim to contain, if any at all. There have been studies on this. It's pretty shocking. And a lot of companies will use isolates. So an isolate is a lab-isolated CBD compound that's in a white powder form and it's stripped of all of the other phytocannabinoids that help to complement that cannabidiol and really give it that full entourage effect. And that's why I love Ned's Full Spectrum Hemp Oil because you are getting the full spectrum of phytocannabinoids. In addition to the CBD, you are also getting the CBG, CBC, CBDA, CBGA, and those lovely smelling hemp terpenes. All NED products are made from organic, whole, natural ingredients. They're all small batch and slow crafted, and they only extract from hemp flowers, also known as the buds, versus other products on the market that typically extract from the stalks and seeds of the hemp plant. And a lot of other brands will use high heat or high pressure, which can totally compromise the profile of the hemp flower and its CBD content, versus NED, who uses a very gentle, slow ethanol-based extraction method done at room temperature. And the only ingredients in Ned's full spectrum hemp oil are the cannabidiol, the full range of phytocannabinoids, and non-GMO MCT oil. I cannot tell you how many people have told me that CBD doesn't work for them, and then I get them to try Ned, and they go, oh wait, it does work. I just wasn't using something real. And that's why I love the Ned. I use this every evening. I do a dropper's worth of the 1500 milligram about two to three hours before bed and hold it under my tongue for 30 seconds and swallow. And this helps me with inflammation. It helps me calm down, reduces anxiety, helps me sleep. This is great if you have trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep. It's also great if you deal with any joint pain or just body pain in general because it's a really amazing natural pain reliever. If you struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD, this is amazing. And it's also great for helping to balance out your hormones. 
the cannabidiol works on the endocannabinoid system in the body, which is our body's balancing system. And if you are a woman, definitely check out Ned's Natural Cycle Collection, which is a full range of products that are specifically designed to help balance out female sex hormones and make your periods a breeze. Trust me, this stuff works and I highly recommend it to all my clients, my friends, my family, and of course you guys. And right now Ned has a bunch of different holiday sets for sale, which is a great, great gift because it comes with one of the full spectrum hemp oils, a hemp infused body butter, and a hemp infused lip balm. And you can pick the dosage that you want so you can get the 300 milligram, 750 milligram, or 1500 milligram. So if you want to check out those products or learn more about Ned, just go to helloned.com and use my code wellness for 15% off. Again, that's helloned.com and my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, will get you 15% off. Speaking of chilling out, let's talk about chilling out in terms of our body image, and our relationship with food and exercise. Today, I am chatting with Kayla Kotecki. She is the author of Damn the Diets and founder of damnthediets.com. After almost a decade suffering as a bikini competitor, a fitness model, a yo-yo dieter, bulimic, orthorexic, and extreme exercise addict, she ruined her physical and mental health, managed to gain her life back and more, and now she is what she calls a rebel holistic nutritionist who helps men and women who are suffering from restrictive diets and or physical and mental decline heal their relationships with food and their bodies and just stop being so stressed about about food and learn to eat what she says is normally again. I discovered Kayla through Stephanie Buttermore's page. So if you are following along with what's been happening in the fitness space with Stephanie Buttermore, she is a popular personal trainer on YouTube. And Stephanie, a few months ago, decided to go on this all-in journey. And the idea of eating all-in is basically just eating to satiety as much as you need for as long as you need until your body's hunger signals eventually evens out. So this usually looks like a period of eating a lot of food, a ton of calories, putting on a lot of weight, and you just keep going, keep going, eat to satiety, and eventually your hunger cues and weight will balance out. But this all-in process is something that Kayla specializes in. She works with many different clients to go through that journey and just heal their bodies. If you want to learn more about the science behind this, I have a blog post up about it and how that's working physiologically in the body. So you can head to my website, christinaricewellness.com and read more about that there. And Stephanie has shared a few videos of her journey. Well, a few, a lot. And Kayla has shared a ton of content about her journey, obviously. Check out her book, Damn the Diets, and she has an awesome YouTube channel as well. So on today's episode, Kayla is going to share the story of how she went from Undereating, overtraining, having a really poor relationship with food and her body to going all in, quote unquote, and healing herself mentally and physically. I think a lot of you guys are going to really relate to this story. It's pretty common. I think a lot of people listening to this have gone through a period of time where they're restricting 
their food or over-exercising or both. I see this all the time with clients and I think it's something that can't be talked about enough. So I'm really excited for you to hear more from Kayla. So let's go ahead and hop into the interview. Thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on the show. Like I was telling you, I've been so excited to chat with you. Um, Your story is so powerful and I love the work you're doing in this space right now. I think it's so important. And I would love if to start off, you could just tell my listeners a little bit about you in case they're not familiar with you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Christina, for having me. I really appreciate this. And hopefully my story can resonate with some of your listeners. Um, I know that we were just talking about how we resonate a lot with our story. And I think that it's more common than we even realize that a lot of people are struggling and suffering and they don't even realize that they have a problem or what they're doing with their diet and lifestyles actually contributing to their suffering, you know? So that's kind of what I do is, um, to simplify it is to just help people get back to normalcy, like normal eating, normal body movement, just a normal human being. So the food and the exercise is not the um, focus anymore. It's just getting your life back, you know, because a lot of us just lose ourselves to a diet or an identity around um, our diet choices or our exercise regime or how our body looks because of that. And it's not even really us. So it's really just about getting our lives back and finding our true identity again beyond that. So I guess that ties into my story, which is where I lost myself at a pretty young age. Um, I think it goes even further back than where I typically like to start talking about, you know, like Mm -hmm. in grade school, the typical bullying and certain things that cause different insecurities, which led me to be more vulnerable um, and, you know, just to easier to take advantage of or to fall into situations where I wasn't comfortable with. And so that led me to like, it really started around the age of 13 when I had a sexual encounter where, you know, I was taken advantage sexually. And I talk more about that in my book, Damn the Diets, but won't get into too many details of that. But that's really where it started. And I was, you know, 13 and it caused a lot of confusion for me. And so right after that, with all the trauma that went on and um, just the denial of that whole situation of nobody really believing me that it happened or, you know, um, just even my friends and cops and close loved ones and even my boyfriend at that time, it really caused a lot of confusion in my life and I just questioned myself in general. And so um, this started this whole dance of just molding into what other people wanted of me rather than being myself anymore, which is completely different um, than the tomboy that I was as a kid, not really caring about you know, girly things too much. And so, yeah, it just went on to um, kind of this life of sexualizing myself to get attention because I didn't want to, there's so many different feelings, but it's like, I didn't want to feel out of control again. That's one aspect. I didn't want that negative attention anymore. I didn't want people to reject me. I didn't want, you know, Um, just any, any kind of attention was bad attention at that point, but, um, 
it is kind of contradicting because then I was seeking approval and attention based off of sexually sexualizing myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so from that, from what I looked up to my role models at the time were people, um, that were, you know, looked a certain way and they were starving themselves to look a certain way in the media, like different reality TV shows or, you know, the magazines or, you know, the computer or wherever. And so I was like, Oh, well, that's what I have to be in order to be successful and accepted and, you know, um, to just get that attention. So I, you know, morphed myself and lost myself. And that's when the first diet started. And it was, you know, around Adderall, I think to suppress my appetite, it made dieting easier. I was already, you know, going all day without eating and then binging at night or even for a while there, I wasn't even binging at night. It was just, I'd have a small meal at night and just go all day without eating. And of course, then I started to lose weight and I got attention from males and females. And then that fueled that story that that's all I was good for. It was my body and looks, you know? Mm -hmm. So then, um, you know, that went on for some years and then later on, it went out of that because I got into like other things because of all the confusion and like drugs and alcohol and partying and, you know, that whole lifestyle along with the whole restricting. And then it led into uh, fitness because I was I told myself and justified this as I was switching unhealthy addictions to healthy addictions. But deep down the whole time, that fixation with my body and um, just my weight control to feel in control and to feel worthy and enough was underlying. And it really just led into fitness obsession and dieting in a new way, just in a more glamorized way. So it was more acceptable. It was more normalized. So no one ever really questioned that. And it was, you know, I was strong, not skinny and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. But through that, um, especially not just for the photo shoot prep where you have to dehydrate down, uh, diet down, you know, go through this crazy prep just for a photo shoot that also went into fitness competitions. And so that whole journey was crazy. Um, that's when I really started to see my health decline. So this is what I talk about a lot about, you know, at that point, um, my hormones became crazy. My hair was falling out. I was feeling dizzy and passing out. I was having severe digestive problems, like, you know, that feeling where you just feel so bloated, like you're pregnant almost, mm -hmm. and the fatigue. And I want, didn't want anything to do with relationships anymore. And, um, of course, the extreme hunger came. And for a while, it was just mental hunger. And I was trying to, you know, adhere so strongly to my willpower and self-control. That's what I prided myself in, you know, because weak people only binge ate or they were the only ones that gave into their cravings because that needed to be controlled. And my body didn't know what it was doing. So I had to control that, you know. Mm. So that went on until the competition because I was that perfectionist, like extreme. If I commit to something, I'm going to finish and I'm going to go all the way through, even though every day of that prep, I was crying and miserable and I hated it and questioned why I was even doing it. And again, it was for, you know, attention or to try to be the perceived definition of success. And that's what people gave attention to. 
But then after the competition, I couldn't do it anymore. And the extreme hunger came with a vengeance. You know, I was already doing cheat meals like once a week or, you know, twice a week. And then after that competition, it was every single day, all day long. That's all I could think about was food. I felt like, you know, I could walk into the grocery store and eat the whole grocery store, you know, and so that went on, but I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know about recovery. I didn't know about starvation and the effects that happen physically and mentally after being in a prolonged energy deficit. So I just thought like, I'm out of control. I need to get this under control. I need to not gain weight. I need to maintain this physique. And um, I was, you know, retaining water and just binge eating all the time. And it was freaking me out. And I thought I was pregnant because I didn't have my period and I was bloated to where it felt like I was pregnant. I was just all sorts of confused still. Mm. And so that went on. And then in an attempt to gain control um, because I couldn't control the binges. So I developed bulimia and I was trying to purge both via mouth, but also via exercise because I tried to burn off all the calories and it wasn't working. It was making me go insane. And I tried to go to the doctors and I tried to get tests done. And, you know, they couldn't find anything with their tests. And so they, you know, just labeled it as IBS and it's all in your head. It's a mental illness and you need to go on psychiatric drugs. And I just like broke down crying in the doctor's office that last time. And because it, it, you know, it wasn't like I knew something was wrong, but everyone was telling me that there was nothing wrong. And so after that, I stopped doing that and I was like, okay, I know that I can heal this. And I tried to take measures in my own hands. And that's when I went down the rabbit hole of all these like holistic healing and healthy diets and cleanses and, um, you know, uh, so, well, rewind. I stopped the bulimia one day, like after six months in, I just cold turkey cut that out because I was so scared of the health detriments that it was doing to me and was going to do long term. So I was able to cut that out. But then, you know, I was like, how am I supposed to heal myself from all these hormonal problems, digestive issues, brain fog, um, fainting, just fatigue and all of that. So that's when I was led down different healing protocols that I thought were really going to heal me. And I didn't realize that the whole time, like this was all orthorexia, the fitness, then into the, you know, diet trends. So I tried, you know, raw veganism. I tried the gaps diet. I tried, um, you know, ketogenic and, um, there's so many things I can't even remember now. Literally you name it. I tried it. You know, I was so desperate. tried like oil fasting, um, water fasting. What's oil fasting? <laughs> There's this whole book on it. It's called like Dr. Coconut, I, I swear. And <laughs> he's a doctor, but he like supports this whole thing about how coconut oil, if you just fast on it for however many days, it's going to heal your gut because of the saturated fats and blah, blah, blah. And I tried that so many times and every time it did not work. Like maybe while I was fasting, my stomach bloat went down, obviously, because I didn't have food in me. Mm -hmm. Then after it was the same thing and everything got worse. Every time I cleansed or fasted or did another diet or elimination diet that exacerbated everything. And so this went on for a couple of years and 
kind of like what you said, I wasn't able to digest anything anymore. My food was coming out completely undigested. It was scaring me. Um, my heart felt like it was failing. You know, my, um, I got down to like probably like a two or three foods or one food at one time that I could kind of handle. Wow. And it just got crazy. So that's pretty much that whole story. And then it just led me into after this water fast, I was binge eating like crazy. Um, and I felt out of control, but that first meal that I had when I couldn't control myself anymore and I was out of control was enough to show my body that there was real food coming in and that it just like unleashed something within me and there was no looking back after that. I just, I couldn't stop binging again because I felt like I had lost my appetite for a while and you know, I was like, Oh yeah, my taste buds have adjusted and I have got this under control. Like I, I finally have got to this point where I don't have all these cravings anymore. But I mean, then I had one bowl of like, I don't know, cheese and pasta. And then I just ate everything in sight for months. And so that went on. I still didn't know what recovery was, but I kind of just, I had to, like I had no other choice. My body just took over, you know, mm -hmm. biology ended up winning. You know, I felt like I was dying for so long. Like it was either that or death. So, um, it took that for me to finally wake up. And then I don't know how eventually by looking up different symptoms that I was facing in my recovery, it led me into realizing that what I was doing was actually a serious problem. And then finally being able to admit that, yes, those were eating disorders, you know, and then finding the help that I actually needed. I think just searching like, why am I binge eating? Why do I have water retention? Why am I painful all over my body? Why you know, am I feeling constipated and I relied on enemas for so long? So all of those things that led me into recovery. And so, yeah, that's pretty much the story summed up. There's a lot of other things, obviously, but that's like the moral of the story. Yeah. What a story. I have, a, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start, but, um, I do want to touch on, you know, when you were 13 and you had that, um, that initial sexual encounter and people you mentioned they weren't, they didn't believe you when you told them about it. Mm -hmm. So now like has, has that conversation resurfaced and have any of those people that didn't believe you then, do they believe you now? Um, like my family, but not the rest of the people. Yeah. I just kind of, I had to, come to my own healing with that and like accept that I wasn't going to get that from them. And, you know, I've just wanted to move on and forgive because forgiveness isn't always for the other person. It's really about yourself, you know, kind of letting yourself free from that anger and resentment and betrayal and denial that I was feeling. And it wasn't, nobody else was feeling that just me, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I just had to, that was a lot of my recovery. I mean, a lot of recovery in the beginning was about food, but then you get to a certain point where all these other things surface again, and now you have to deal with all of that that you never dealt with. And I, yeah, that was a big part of my journey was the emotional work of recovery. And what did that look like for you? Like, how, how did you recover from that? That, that was crazy. I thought that 
I was just, again, going insane because I was, you know, I had that denial for so long that everything was in my head from everyone that, so then when it was coming up, I thought like, I just needed to get that under control too, because that was bad and I needed to be happy and I needed to get on with my life and, you know, um, just to get over it kind of thing. That was the mindset that I was taught. And so like (laughs) biology ended up winning with binge eating and eating all the foods it was just biology ended up winning too. And one day for like, after that, after the first day, I just cried all day. It just came out and I didn't even know where it was coming from. And I literally, I felt like I cried for every day for months straight and I didn't know what was going on. And so then at a certain point I started asking those questions like, where's this coming from? Why am I feeling like this? Why did I even develop these issues in the first place? You know, like what's the timeline that this, everything happened? Like I need to start asking those questions and figure out where the, the root was, you know, where the, the, the trauma, cause a lot of our roots can come from trauma or just, you know, just feeling not good enough or not feeling protected by our initial caretakers or, you know, certain partners. And it just can create all of these lies that we believe about ourselves. And so, as children, we believe these lies and then we become adults still functioning off of these underlying lies that we believe. And it's just about unlearning all of those lies that we picked up along the way because they are their lies and they became our identity, but it's a false identity. So it was really just questioning that because and getting in touch with that inner child. I know that that's like a, um, at first it sounded like fluffy and whatever to me. But then I was like, wow, like this is actually a serious thing. Like who was I as a kid? And when did that go away? And what happened? And um, how can I get back to that? Like not being an immature child in a sense, but getting that innocence back and just getting that um, joy back. You know, I hadn't had that for so long. I was just taking life so seriously and everything was, you know, vanity and external and just trying to survive. So that's kind of an all over the place answer, but it really was just starting to ask those questions that can be really painful and uncomfortable and lonely and um, just challenge you in so many ways. And really like you kind of get broken down so you can see all of this. And it's like this deep brainwashing process too. Like we become brainwashed with, um, all these, the conditioning from the media and from, you know, other people, maybe they made us feel a certain way or, um, just, you know, again, all these lies that we picked up along the way and really just questioning everything in our life and everything, um, and where it came from. You know, I don't know if that answers your question, but no, it does. I love that answer. And I mean, I talk about thinner child stuff a lot. And I mean, I think people do, they tend to just kind of not pay attention to that because they think it's woo-woo and fluffy, but that really is the key. And I think also for a lot of people, um, they'll tell me like, well, I don't remember, or I didn't have a bad childhood, but it doesn't have to be what people think of as this severe trauma. You know, it can be a little thing that triggers it when you're younger, and most people don't realize that. Totally. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's so true for the longest time. That was my story. It was just like, no, I had a great, you know, childhood and I don't want to talk bad on anyone. And, you know, everything was fine. 
and cause I, I was forced into counseling and I didn't want to talk about anything. And, um, it really got to that point of acknowledging like, yes, maybe these weren't like severe traumatic events, just even little things like your parents trying to do the best for you and provide the best life for you, but they were at work so much that they weren't even there, you know, and really all you need as a child is one of your caretakers to be there, just be present, you know? And so even that can be very traumatic, even though it wasn't intentional, you know? So a hundred percent. Um, I also wanted to ask, so you mentioned that for a while you're using Adderall to suppress your appetite. Mm -hmm. Um, where did you get that? Like, was that prescribed to you? Yeah. So when all that stuff happened, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't really, since I wasn't dealing with that, you know, my family just thought I was depressed and anxious and that I was diagnosed with ADHD or ADD. And so they, they just gave it to me. So I was on like antidepressants, anti-anxiety, birth control, you know, um, and then the Adderall and yeah, it was just nuts. That caused all that, all those issues too, that I had to get off of eventually. Yeah. I think that's also something that worries me with our system. Like they do just, I mean, not everybody, but there are a lot of people who will just kind of give out SSRIs or Adderall without really doing any digging. Like I know when I was dealing with a lot of my health issues, I would go in and they say, like, no one would actually give me help. They just said, well, we can prescribe you an antidepressant. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I need some more help, you know? Yeah. It's so quick to just throw out like that quick fix kind of suppressant rather than no, let's like dig deep and figure out what's really going on here. Yeah. And well, when you, so when you weren't really eating during the day at that time, like did any of your friends, your friends or family say anything? No, that's when the compliments started coming in. Mm -hmm. I remember one time though, later on, it was like when I was pretty deep into it and I had lost a lot of weight. Like one of my, at the time, boyfriend's friends said something like, man, you're like, you're looking pretty skinny there. You're, I can see your cheekbones, but that was the only one. And to me, that was like, oh, that means that I'm doing something right. Like to me, that felt like a compliment, not like an alarming um, concern, which is crazy how we can twist that. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that like all of these people who are around you, like didn't notice you not eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. But again, like, I think, too, um, if you're left to your own devices, you know, like, bless my parents' heart, I love them. But at the same time, they were trying to provide for me. And I think that I had so much time by myself, like to raise myself and the world raised myself, Mm -hmm. because they were at work a lot, you know, because they were trying to provide and they were trying to do the right thing. But for me, I had too much time. You know, I, I dropped out of sports. I dropped out of, you know, music, and it was just, after that had happened, it was just the perfect concoction, you know, yeah. not the love or the um, the presence that I needed from my caretakers completely. Like, they were there a lot, but there was a lot of time that they weren't, you know, from work, but then also the traumatic thing that happened, and then um, just all of it was the perfect concoction to create that. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's just really, I I think it's important, like, for people to hear kind of, like, I remember after I was going through things and thinking, like, 
how come no one in my family is saying anything? Like, or like, why are certain people, like my friends weren't saying anything about me losing so much weight? And for me, it was hard, like, because I feel like if I was on the other side, I would say something. Um, but I think it's important for people to know, like, that you don't always know what your friends or your kids are, are like, doing. And so to, it can help to kind of pay attention. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's, like, even your loved ones to pay attention. But in this culture that has normalized, you know, yeah. thinness. I mean, I even went into the doctors at the lowest weight and they never questioned like my diet you know they never they were just like oh yeah keep doing what you're doing you're you're healthy yeah. you know and it was like that's all I needed to realize is that that was actually very unhealthy for me yeah. you know once I started gaining weight in my recovery and then I got to a higher weight then it was like okay you got to be careful now you know <laughs> yeah yeah well I want to I want to move into the time period when you were doing um, like photo shoots and or, did you do a physique competition? Yeah, I did the bikini competition. Okay. So what like inspired you to do that? How did you get that idea? Okay. So yeah, this is one of the other main points that I missed because in that time I had this boyfriend right after that happened. So at 13 still. And so he was, you know, 15 or 16, and he was doing bodybuilding competitions in high school. Mm. And so at first, I was really grossed out by that. I was like, what the heck? That's weird. You know, and then he kept showing me stuff, and he was all into it. And then, um, again, to try to get attention, like he was one of them that I was trying to get that approval and attention from that I wasn't fully getting that from, because that was a whole emotional roller coaster mess of a relationship. So me as a broken individual. And that's all I was getting validation from. Uh, that was what contributed into also the fitness competition or just picking up fitness in general, like starting to go to the gym and um, starting to get that attention when we had broken up, getting that attention from him. And I was like, oh, see, this is good. And that fueled that fire. And that um, I, I didn't even want to do the competition. I was just getting really into fitness. And then the the owner of the gym that I was at approached me. He was like, yeah, you should do a fitness competition. You have the physique, the broad shoulders or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Then I was like, no, that's weird. And I don't want to do that. And then of course he came up and he's like, no, yeah, you should do that. And th that's literally all it took. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this now. And it, that fueled that whole thing. And then it led into the photo shoots um, because I, was doing that whole brand. It was like, it was called um, Lean Clean and Mean or something. Mm. It was ridiculous. You got to train mean and eat clean to live lean. It was so Oh, ridiculous. God. Well, okay. What was your diet like during that time? And can you tell a little bit more about, like, being very raw with everything you were feeling? So... Yeah, it turned into it was, I was a normal eater at b before that still or not a normal eater but I could eat like normal foods. Mm -hmm. I wasn't restricting to just clean foods um mm -hmm. at that point when I first entered the fitness. So yes, I was restricting, but it was not just the clean eating. So when I started to see changes in the body just from exercise, 
And then I was getting the compliments and I was like, okay, this isn't good enough though. So how can I get better? You know, that whole mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into diet manipulations and I started, um, and this is how I justified it. Cause I was like, well, I'm eating five to six times a day, you know, every two to three hours. And, um, but it was still very restrictive, very low calorie and not enough variety of foods. Um, because I would have, I would wake up and I'd have like, I can't remember the measurements anymore, but that's another thing. I was so extreme with measuring, calculating, weighing, tracking my food, you know, to the T. Mm-hmm. So I would track my oatmeal in the morning with like a few blueberries that I would track and some almond butter or something and egg whites, you know, with no oil, no salt, um, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I would have, um, that was all the fruit that I could have was a couple of blueberries. And then um, after that, it would be, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think it would just go into chicken and like a, a however many grams of a sweet potato and then however many grams of broccoli or green beans. Like I had a few select vegetables, chicken and tilapia or salmon, and then sweet potato or brown rice, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that whole diet. And then at night before bed, egg whites with spinach, no oil, no salt. Mm. And that was pretty much all I ate until my cheat days. And then I would just binge out on all the foods that I was craving. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought that up, how you would justify it with like, I'm eating five to six times a day because I see this a lot on social media. Um, a lot of girls being like, I eat so much food, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you're eating only like, like big bowls of vegetables, like mm-hmm. a big bowl of like lettuce and they, you know, like no oil, like nothing like, um, and I think that's pretty common is like people think that if they're eating a lot of volume, they're not restricting mm-hmm. and that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That led me into a lot of problems as well when I was vegan because it was like, oh, well I'm eating, you know. 3000 calories of, you know, vegetables, even like, even if I was eating high calorie amount of high volume foods, it was still nothing, not even close to what my body actually needed, Mm -hmm. you know, so unbalanced. And so yeah, it's just crazy with the justifications that we can come up with with these weird diet manipulations. Yeah. And so you said during that time, you said your hair was falling out. And what else were you feeling physically? It's a, it's a long list. Um, let me try to remember. Okay. So the digestive problems, hair falling out, feeling cold all the time, insomnia, heart palpitations, leg cramps, constipation, uh, like severe. I had a bowel obstruction after the competition and then in all the other clean diets and stuff, I had to rely on enemas every day. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, brain fog. I was, you know, I passed out a few times. Um, dizziness, uh, no libido, like no even desire to be in a relationship. Um, let's see. There's so, there's so many, and this is what sucks. Cause I, all of them, it was well, like, just like everything sucks, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would like to touch on, touch on the digestive issues for a second because, I know there are a lot of people listening to this who struggle with digestive issues. Um, and a question I actually, I just, someone DM'd me this the other day. I was like, oh, I'll bring this up with Kayla. They said, 
is it possible for under eating to cause bloating? And I would like to talk a bit about like the connection between under eating and like the gut issues, whether it be the bloating, the constipation or the food intolerances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- this happens a lot. There's so many people that, you know, they didn't have digestive problems. And then once they start their first diet, then they start to face IBS type symptoms or candida type symptoms or, um, you know, just all these different um, digestive issues that we hear about today. And I mean, for a lot of people, there is a huge connection. And um, that's that was me. I mean, I was facing all these things. And I really was like, um, I really thought that I had like, parasitic infections and candida and IBS and um, food intolerances. I really thought that you know, I even got food intolerances that showed I wasn't like celiac, but you know, I felt like I was reacting to gluten and I felt like I was reacting to all of these foods or nightshades or oxalates or, you know, I tried all of those elimination diets. But what I see is that the more people restrict, the more that their digestive problems just like get out of control. It's just the, the worse that they get, the more that they do elimination diets and the more that they restrict every restriction that they add in to the bad foods, off limit foods list, then, you know, they, they could have actually tolerated a little bit more before when they, um, before they cut it out. And then they go back to try to eat that food again and their body can't even, um, digest it at all. So, you know, it just, it gets worse and worse and it gets more weak and weak. It's like a muscle, you know, Mm -hmm. digestive enzymes stop being produced you know, because it's like a muscle. If you don't lose it, or if you don't use it, you lose it, kind of thing. And so, our whole digestive system just becomes weak and de- depleted, and your body just shuts down digestive organs altogether. Not only from being weak and malnourished, from not enough energy coming in, and that would cost too much energy to have them functioning at full speed, just like your metabolism, but also because those foods, whether fats or carbs or specific types of foods aren't coming in. So your body doesn't, you know, uh, recall how to digest them properly anymore. And it's really about that relearning process of igniting your digestive pro- um, system to function properly again. Mm-hmm. And that's what to go through. And it was painful. I had pains all over my digestive system, pains in my liver and pains in my pancreas. And literally it was, it was painful and scary, but it's not like that anymore, you know? Yeah. So, and so, do you, okay, well, let's get into your recovery because it's going to lead into it. Um, so, like, exactly what did you do for recovery? So, it's, it's such a long process. There's so much to it, you know, and there's different phases. Mm-hmm. So like, for the beginning, I mean, all you can think about or all you need to think about for people that don't even have their appetites and they need to eat enough to even spark their appetite again, um, is really focus on eating unrestrictedly eating like a variety of foods, making sure they're getting carbs, fats, proteins, and everything. So it's focusing just on, you know, nutritionally rehabilitating your body, but then it gets to a point where, you know, you have to work on the mental and emotional, like I was saying. So you have to do that simultaneously because you could you could um, get to a recovered body physically, 
but then you may mentally and emotionally still be at the same place. And then you'll just fall back into the same cycle and you'll, you know, you'll not feel good enough. You'll have the same issues and then you just might fall back to the beginning. So I don't know if you were asking me kind of like step-by-step what I was doing to physically recover. Yeah. Let's talk about physically. Okay. So yeah, it was just initially listening to that extreme hunger completely like, cause I've tried to control that for so long and suppress that. Cause I thought that there was something wrong with me, mm-hmm. um, that, um, I was just weak and a glutton and, you know, losing my life and I needed to get my life together and, you know, all those things that we can tell ourselves. But really that was the best thing that I could have done was given a hundred percent, let go and like allow my body to just guide me, you know, to do its thing. So I did. And so I committed to that 100%. You know, I wasn't giving myself excuses anymore at a certain point because that's what we can do is we can kind of give ourselves excuses and we fall back into a diet restriction here or there, you know, mm-hmm. and that can keep us stuck. So that's like the main thing is eating unrestrictedly, like 100%, not holding on to any of these restrictions. And then also not exercising, you know, mm-hmm. so Allowing all of that energy to go towards healing um, and not towards muscle breakdown and repair because that just took away from my recovery and it just prolongs your recovery. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to break down the just eating, eating all the things because mm-hmm. that's pretty scary for people. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that was scary for you too. And like, I, like, I don't know if, like how open you're willing to be of like, what did that look like for you? Oh yeah. Um, so for a while there, I was eating like well up to 10,000 calories every single day. Mm-hmm. And it was of all the foods, you know, a lot of it was, um, processed foods. So like even just like peanut butter, you know, the process, not the whole peanut, but the peanut butter, mm-hmm. you know, bread and pasta and all of those things that I was um, restricting. And in the beginning, I was still vegan, but that was just, you know, I was not feeling satiated. I was not recovering. So I had to add back in animal products. And that was where I really saw a shift. So I was eating tons of, you know, cheese and eggs and all these things that I had been craving for so long. And I would just I could just eat and eat until I was physically stuffed to the brim, feeling even nauseous and like my stomach was going to explode. And I would still be mentally wanting more food. You know, Mm -hmm. I could go to the sushi restaurant and eat like 20 rolls and then go and eat a jar of peanut butter after, you know. Yeah. And so how long did that continue for, like feeling that, that type of hunger? So... Yeah, that went on for a few months. That went up like consistently for a few months. And then slowly it started to go down a little bit. It didn't just drop though. It went slowly. So like I wasn't counting counting my calories because I couldn't I couldn't do that, you know. It's just gonna make me go insane. Yeah. So I went from like about ten thousand, maybe more, um, down slowly to probably like eight thousand and then seven thousand and then, you know, mm-hmm. and this um, for a while, I mean, there was a point that I kind of, if you want to call it relapsed, I guess. And I kind of, cause I was gaining a lot of weight, which is normal, you know, and healthy. And then 
I got to a point where it was freaking me out though, because I wasn't accepting that. And so I kind of went back to some diet restrictions and that just, I didn't lose the weight. My body was already conserving because it was making sure that if this happened, which it did, that it's not going to die from the future famine again, you know, so it's trying to conserve. So, but I did that and I tried to do this and I yo-yoed for a couple months and then that's when I got to that point of commitment and I just was like, okay, nothing can be off limits anymore. And so then after that, there was still so many months. I don't know exactly, but I don't know, another six months of just eating unrestrictedly. And it wasn't like the 10,000 calories this time, but it was still, you know, I don't know, honestly, maybe 5,000 calories a day. So, yeah. So like how many years total do you feel like that was from when you really started coming to that to when you felt like things evened out? Yeah, it's hard to really gauge because even before that uh, water fast, so like there were so many different points where I was binge eating, you know, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't, I didn't know it was recovery though. So I would binge eat for, I don't know, I don't know, five months after the competition, but then I, it wasn't recovery. And then later on after the, you know, veganism and all the cleansing diets, I was binging again and I gained quite a bit of weight from like I had gotten to a really low weight and I got back up to a good weight and then I went on a water fast, you know, and then after the water fast, I, that's when it, all that stopped and I went into, um, just binging for that several month long. So, um, and then after that, however long, another five or six months, then that's when I yo-yoed for a couple of months. So it's really hard to gauge cause it was just all over the place for several years, mm. you know? And the, the healing process for me was prolonged because I yo-yoed. That's why I try to, like, encourage everyone, if you can, just, like, just trust the process. Please, like, just let go and commit and surrender to your body and trust that your body knows what it's doing, you know, because you don't want it to last longer than it will. It typically will, you know? Yeah. Well, in working with other people, do you see, like, a general, like, timeline? Like, like six months, a year, two years? It's honestly, there's no timeline. It's crazy. It's, I mean, certain people can come from a similar background and their recovery looks completely different. Mm -hmm. And there's some people that had, that didn't even restrict for a year and their recovery is very long, you know, for, you know, a a year, their recovery is a year, just like someone who was in all of, um, full on anorexia and theirs is, a couple of years. I mean, it's, it really depends on the person and how committed they are because people like we were talking about earlier can really justify to themselves, um, how really in they are in their recovery and they still have a lot of restrictions. And so it's really just about being honest with yourself, but really that's, that's why it's hard because every, every person's recovery looks completely different. And that's why everyone wants to give me or ask me of a timeline. And I did the same thing. I wanted to know the timeline and I wanted to know when the water retention was going to be gone, when the bloating was going to go away, when my extreme hunger was going to go down. And I, I did that. That's what, um, really caused some issues for me is because I was focusing on the timeline because I read on certain blogs like the edinstitute.org that, you know, 
certain things would go away at certain month marks. And so I would fixate on that. And then when it happened, I thought I was doing something wrong. And I thought that, you know, because the water retention wasn't going down at the fifth month mark that I had kidney failure and heart failure, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's really not what it was. And it was just that my recovery looked different than that. And that's why it's really hard to give those timelines. Yeah. Well, I want to get into the, like kind of the mental side of this for a second more so, because, um, I want you to speak a little bit to how you help other people stay mentally motivated through this and Mm -hmm. also how, how you did, because, like while you're going through this process, it can be, it can be difficult when you're putting on weight and you don't, you're like eating what you feel like is uncontrollable amounts. Right. And then you're like, is this ever going to end? It can be a, a real mind fuck, you know? So how do you help people get through that? Yeah, it's, I think a lot of times people just want that permission that what they're doing is okay and that they're going to be okay. And that's, this is a normal process and what they're feeling mentally and emotionally and physically is completely normal. Like people coming from this restrictive background of any shape, shape or form. And a lot of them just want that reassurance kind of over time, whether it's ongoing clients or people that just come for a few questions and then do their own thing. And then they have like YouTube or they have books or they have blogs to go to consistently. Cause I think that's the big thing is just that, you can hear the same thing over and over again. And until you're ready to hear it, then it doesn't mean anything. Or you hear something, you know, the first week of your recovery, and then forget about it, and then hear it again in three months of your recovery, and it means something completely different to you, you know, or you're just like, I forgot about that. So I think it's just that repetition, you know, and that consistency. I mean, there's a lot of things like exercises that you can do to keep you focused, to remind you of why you even chose recovery. So like writing down your why, that's a big one. Um, Or just recording yourself of what your why, because a lot of people as time goes on, it's like the brain wants to remember only the good of when you were restricting or when um, you were at a lower body weight or, you know, just wherever you're coming from. And then you start to question yourself and your process and your body and it can lead you astray. So it's just like keeping that why in the forefront of your brain to remind yourself every single day to choose recovery every single day and to accept that what your body is doing is what's needed uh, for your recovery. That acceptance, you know, getting to acceptance. Um, there's, there's a lot of grief that goes on in recovery and just um, dealing with that grief, you know, the grief of the old body and the grief of the old identity and the grief of the diet, uh, mindsets and all these things that we thought were true. And they thought that were us for so long, it's grieving that and then being okay with the grief process and not thinking that you're going crazy. You know, there's just, there's so many things to talk about with that question you know yeah I think the weight gain is one of the most difficult pieces for women um I think you know just like not being comfortable with what they see and worrying about what other people are thinking and also this level of body dysmorphia did you did you deal with the body dysmorphia oh yeah totally I had body dysmorphia for myself and then it became my perception of the world. I had body dysmorphia for everyone else, you know, and 
that was what I noticed in my recovery is that I, as I recovered and I, as I gained my weight, it's kind of like I started to see the world in a new perspective. And I realized that the people that I thought were out of shape or whatever that means, you know, mm-hmm. were actually very beautiful and they were great people and they were like goddesses, you know, and it's just crazy how the mind can shift as you come out of this deficit. It's, it's a, it's a balance between doing the mental work and rewiring your brain to think in a new way. Cause, um, that's how you've thought for so long. So you have to do that biological work, but then it's also, um, just, it gets easier in a sense too. Like the more that you nourish your brain and body, the more, and the more you get used to your new body, the easier it kind of gets in a sense, long-term, not initially when you gain the weight, but then you'll look back and be like, wow, I don't even know what I was thinking was so bad about myself, you know? Yeah. So with the weight gain process, do you find that, um, like, is it common for people to put on extra weight and then over time it, it evens back out to like, like, do people have to overshoot sometimes? Does that make sense? Oh yeah. The overshoot, I overshooted a lot and it's pretty common. Yeah. That's, and the biggest fear is that people think, oh, I'm just going to gain and gain forever. You know, I'm going to gain to 300 pounds, but that doesn't happen, you know. And so it's getting rid of that fear. And you may overshoot, but your body wants to go back to where it feels comfortable, just like you want to feel comfortable. But it's only going to do that when it feels safe, you know. So if it feels like it's still threatened, it doesn't, it wants to conserve because survival is number one over vanity, you know, and over back to a place of comfort. Cause that would be stupid of the body to let go of its survival, you know, stored energy if it's going to be starved. So it just needs to know that it's going to trust. And a lot of times too, it's accepting that maybe our set weight point is a little higher than, you know, we expected because we've been in this distorted mindset for so long that what is actually healthy for us may be a bit higher than what we think is healthy for us, you know, because a lot of us start, um, that eating disorder or diet or restrictions as a child or as a teenager and our body hasn't matured yet. So they may think that their, you know, pre ED weight is actually what their set weight point, but really they may need to be higher than that because they're a woman now or they're a man. Mm-hmm. There's that, those things too, to accept as well. But yes, to answer your question, long story short, a lot of people overshoot, but if you give it your body, the proper environment to heal, it wants to go back to its natural set weight point too. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just like people need to, need to hear it from someone who's been through it, you know, to like, like you said, to trust that it it does even out. Um, So at what point did you notice that your digestion started evening out? Yeah, so in the beginning, it was very painful. So that pain went away within um, a couple months. But then I still had the bloating. And the bloating lasted for a long time. (laughs) The bloating lasted, I don't even see again, it's hard to give these timelines, Mm -hmm. but it lasted for like a year for me or more. And it got a little bit better. It wasn't like the severe pregnant bloating like I had within the first five months. 
Um, but then, so after the five months, it kind of slipped that ser- seriously too. Like, I don't even know if it was five months. It could have been four months, could have been six months, but somewhere around there, it slowly started to go down, but it still felt bloated mm-hmm. for like another, for the rest of the year. Um, but then also the constipation and those, um, issues, which were huge for me. That was one of my whys is that I was able to go to the bathroom on my own. Yeah. Um, that, that evened out within the first month and I had to supplement with digestive enzymes and hydrochloric acid for the first month. But after that, then I didn't have to do that. And all of that, um, kind of evened out within the first month or two. Did you ever like get a stool test to see if you did have any parasites or bacterial overgrowth? So I was going to, and then after that last, um, period when they were like, Oh, you just need to go get psychiatric meds. I didn't ever go through with it. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> so what do you like for people listening? What is normal eating in your opinion? So it's just like getting back to a place where you're just at peace with food. Like you don't think too much. You don't overthink food. You don't go to eat food and think, okay, well, what should I have or what shouldn't I have? Or is this good or is this bad? Or is this going to make me gain weight or is this going to, you know, keep me lean and have my, you know, flat stomach or, you know, all those weird thoughts that we do. So those aren't there. You literally just like when you get hungry, like I could just be typing away at an email and feel, oh, I'm kind of getting hungry. I'm going to go eat. I go to eat. I'm not, I don't have this preset plan. Like this is what I'm going to eat. This is how much I'm going to eat, you know, and I can't have this even if I'm craving it. It's just like, I go to eat. I see what I want. I know like the foods that I kind of gravitate towards that are easy and they do well with me. So like every day almost I have a sandwich, you know, mm-hmm. for lunch. so that's my go-to typically, but it may look different but I don't skimp. Like I used to not have the sauces or the cheese, or I had to have a specific type of bread or no bread at all and a lettuce wrap, you know? So it's really just exactly what I want. That's what I'm going to have. And if I want chips on the side, I'm going to have chips. And you know, if I'm still hungry after that, maybe I'm, it's around my period and I have more cravings, then I'm going to listen to whatever I'm more hungry for, or if it's more amounts or different types of foods, then I'll listen to that. And I won't have the guilt, you know, the guilt and the shame isn't there around food Mm -hmm. and guilt and the shame isn't there around exercise and food and exercise and my body aren't tied together, you know? So my food choices are just food. They're just food. They're just there to fuel me, my brain and my body to do, you know, my purpose, you know, and work or go, you know, have fun or whatever, but there's no like, okay, I ate this much. So now I have to go burn off these calories at the gym and I have to go walk, um, this amount to burn off the cow. You know, it's not like, Oh, I feel guilty because I ate this food. So now I'm going to have to make up for it. Mm -hmm. So none of it's linked. And yeah, you just eat when you're hungry, what you want exactly. And the amounts you want, and then you stop when you're full. And yeah. yeah, Do you believe the calories in, calories out model of weight loss and weight gain? So this is thermodynamics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did a video on this, and um, 
I mean, I tried to adhere to that and that just put, puts you in that deficit, which creates the binge eating. Mm -hmm. And so also like the different types of foods, uh, I didn't notice it. Like all the foods that I was uh, fearful of because of that, that I was like, well, I have to have this form of carbohydrate rather than this form. And I have to have this form of, you know, protein instead of this. And it just fueled the whole uh, mental battle and the binge eating. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I just literally ate unrestrictedly that, that all of this craziness around food went away, you know? Yeah. I think, because I mean, this is such a big thing in the, in the health space, but I think that's where the mindset piece is so important to, um, to pay attention to. And I mean, I don't have a scientific explanation, but I do know plenty of people who try really hard to eat a super clean diet and maybe they're eating, I don't know, 15, 1800 calories a day. And they would have the exact same body if they ate whatever they wanted and were eating like three to 4,000 calories a day. And I don't know exactly how that works, but I have seen that. And I don't know if you feel the same. Oh yeah, completely. I mean, that's what you go back to is your normalcy is Mm -hmm. just, you can maintain a healthy body weight without having to diet and like exercise yourself into the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the lie again that we've been told is that we have to like eat this super, clean diet and do hit workouts to look a certain way. But I mean, yeah, there's, there's plenty of people. I don't have the scientific data either, but there's plenty of people that do this all the time. I mean, there's plenty of people just around me that do that and they never even got into diets. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, so uh, to wrap up, if there's a woman listening who is in the space where she has been dieting in some form, maybe she has, digestive issues, amenorrhea, brain fog, and she feels like maybe she does need to just, like, satisfy her bottomless pit hunger. What do you want to say to her? Yeah. So there's there's so much. But I guess to simplify it, I mean, the biggest thing is to not have that fear, like to not fear your hunger and to not fear your body and to – Um, Just trust that your body knows what it's doing, that's intelligently designed to, you know, work this out for you. And, you know, it wants to survive. It wants to do the best for you. And that these cravings and this hunger is just a communication signal to you to show you exactly what you need and that it doesn't need to be feared and that it's okay to eat. And your body's going to go back to a place of normalcy because, I mean, I had that as well. I didn't, I, all I needed to know is that the, the binge eating and the extreme hunger and all the physical feelings that I was facing was because of the diet restrictions. And so that I guess that's the, the biggest thing. And the more that you try to control food, the more that food controls you, you know. Very, very well put. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time and coming and sharing your story. I know a lot of people will will resonate with it. I'm sure they're going to want to connect with you more. So can you just share where everyone can find more from you? Yeah, so mainly I'm on YouTube. I think it's under Kayla Rose or Damn the Diets. And then I have an Instagram, but I haven't been on there for like over a year, which that's Damn the Diets. And then my website, damnthediets.com. 
And there you can find, you know, email me or I have my book down the diets. And yeah, so thanks. But thank you, Christina, for having me. I really appreciate this. Of course. All right. Thank you again, Kayla. I had a great time chatting. You too. Shout out to Kayla for coming on the podcast and sharing her story and all of her advice for anyone who might be going through something similar. If you want more from her, just head to her website, damnthediets.com, and make sure you check out her book, Damn the Diets. If you think this episode will help somebody you know, make sure you share it with them so that they can hear about Kayla's story as well. And if you want to show your support for this podcast episode, you can always share it on social media, tag me, tag Wellness Realist Podcast, and let me know that you liked it. That way I can say thank you. And I really, really appreciate it when you guys share your favorite episodes. And as always, if you really want to go the extra mile and let me know that you love the show, make sure you leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps other people find out about the podcast and it's a free way to support my content, which I really appreciate. So that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Have an awesome rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time. Bye.